Welcome to the Jack Duff Lee Show, a weekly podcast exploring investing, real estate, the markets, law, technology, and everything in between. Here's your host, Jack Duff Lee. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Good to have you here with me today. Now before I actually get into today's episode, just a couple reminders. The first being to leave a review on iTunes if you haven't already. The more five-star ratings, the merrier, and the more people will actually see this show and its content. So please leave a review on iTunes. And for those of you on YouTube, definitely like, comment, subscribe, and all of that good stuff since that definitely helps the channel out a lot. Now today I actually want to talk about the HEALS Act, which has definitely been making the news as of late since that is the gigantic stimulus bill part two that Republicans have introduced in the Senate and it looks to be making its way through the House as Democrats figure out what they want to add to this piece of the pie and figure out what actually is going to be in this bill. But the big baseline thing that people are paying attention to the most is the fact that this HEALS Act will be including stimulus checks just like the last one, the CARES Act, way back in March, that will give $1,200 stimulus checks, at least as of now, to all the same people as before. Theoretically, that's where it's at right now, and I would assume that's probably at least going to be the baseline that actually makes it through in the final bill once I would assume, again, that it actually gets passed. The other big item is that uh, businesses will have liability protection against uh, as long as they have reasonable practices in preventing the spread of the pandemic, then if someone gets sick at their restaurant or at their business or whatever, the customer can't sue them for the fact that they got the virus and all that stuff. So that's kind of the other big element of this act. Technically, the LS is the li- the liability portion of the acronym. Specifically, the HEALS Act stands for Health, Economic Assistance, Liability Protection, and Schools Act. Because, you know, you got to have a cool, great, compact acronym whenever you pass any sort of piece of legislation. Whether it actually is meaningful or not, it just sounds much cooler when you have the CARES Act, the HEROES Act, the HEALS Act. Man, you just really want to get behind those acts for sure. So that's what the HEALS Act is. As, as of now, it could definitely change. This is just a bill that's been introduced, but it's looking that it's more likely than not that some portion of this bill is going to make it through since Democrats have been crying to have a gigantic stimulus part two, whereas Republicans have been far more conservative with it, naturally. And But still, given the history of U.S. and, and the welfare payments that have gone through the federal system, this is definitely unprecedented from the Republican side as well. Just the sheer size of these bills that Republicans are willing to go for. It's an election year. It's not surprising. Both parties want to get reelected. And now that the gloves are off with throwing tons of money into the system and taking out massive, massive amounts of debt all at once, there's really no limit to, or very limited limit, I guess is the best way to put it, for as to what Congress is willing to do, at least compared to its historic practices in passing laws quickly. Or I should say its historic practices in not passing laws quickly. But I actually think that the HEALS Act is a slap in the face to millions of Americans. And that's for the simple reason that I've pointed out on this channel before, at least on my YouTube channel. I talked about how the CARES Act was such a logistical nightmare since millions of people still haven't received their CARES Act stimulus check, which was the big highlighted portion of the CARES Act. It was the fact that people were going to get stimulus checks, they could get the money to pay their rent, pay for food, pay for whatever, 
go out and spend, hopefully, and get the economy going again to keep businesses afloat. That was the idea. People get their checks, and the people who needed checks the most and people who needed cash in the short term right away would get it. That was the whole idea. Whether you believe that that was a good idea to actually do the CARES Act at all, it's beside the point. It's the fact that it's so logistically difficult to actually enact this sort of policy where millions and millions of people, hundreds of millions of people, are each getting individual checks for a government that has never, ever done this before, that is, well, I should say never done that before on a total population scale. They've done stimulus checks in the past on a much smaller scale, but still very large. And even that was logistically difficult, as I've covered in the past. Dead people have been getting stimulus checks. People who aren't eligible have been getting them. This isn't even to include all the stuff with the PPP loan program, where rich business owners were getting these PPP loans and then spending them dishonestly on things besides payroll, which was the whole point, was that these loans were supposed to be used towards payroll. That's beside the point. I'm just talking about the stimulus check portion of the CARES Act. Because as of a couple days ago, Bloomberg actually put out a report talking about how there are still millions of people who haven't received their stimulus checks. The IRS has issued about 160 million economic impact payments approved under the CARES Act back in March. We're in the we're at the end of July right now. August 1st is tomorrow. So only 160 million people have gotten it, which leaves millions of people who are eligible but have not received these stimulus checks. The most startling thing that I read in this Bloomberg article, I'll definitely leave a link to it in the description below, was actually they, when they were talking with Terry Lemons, who's the IRS's chief of communications and a liaison. Um, he they were talking about how the hardest part about reaching those individuals is that they don't file a tax return because they don't have enough income. That That is in the U.S. if you make under, I believe it's about 16000 a year, uh, you don't actually have to file a tax return or it's whatever the standard deduction is so so it should actually be 12,000 a year just about there. So if you don't if you don't make over the st uh, the standard deduction, you typically don't have to file your tax return because you wouldn't owe any tax. So it's just a waste of of uh, filing paper and having someone read through it is just an unnecessary expense for the IRS. So that's there's that's a lot of people. A lot of people might be on just social security which is already tax exempt and they don't have they don't actually make enough over the standard deduction to justify actually filing an appeal unless they have some sort of big deduction elsewhere. So that is a problem when you're trying to suddenly issue checks very quickly to mitigate some sort of pandemic because you don't have everyone's information to quickly send out checks or to quickly send a direct deposit like many other millions of people had. So most people have gotten their stimulus checks, and those most people typically were those who already had direct deposit information on file with the IRS, which is a lot of people, and it was those who took initiative to go online and to give their information so the IRS could direct deposit it, even though they hadn't actually filed a return that year. So that that's kind of how they did that, but that leaves so many millions of people who haven't gotten the stimulus check who arguably are those who most need it. I would suspect that people who don't have direct deposit information set up, probably don't have a, a working checking account. They probably operate in cash a lot. And typically those folks aren't as financially savvy, unfortunately. And those are the folks who need the cash the most in a situation like this. It's probably your blue collar worker who has lost his job, his or her job because of this pandemic. And now they have no source of income besides whatever the government can throw at them right now. And they probably don't have a lot of savings if they don't have a bank account set up. And these people are vulnerable. And that is 
what these sorts of programs are really supposed to to be aimed at. They're supposed to be aimed at people in those situations. And they purport to be aimed at those folks, but that's not what happens in reality. In reality, we have what we have now, where we have millions of people, an estimated, we'll say, 15 to 30. The thing is, uh, Mr. Lemons here for the IRS said, quote, it's not like there's a list, end quote. Basically saying that he has no clue how many people are left who actually are entitled to the CARES Act stimulus check, which is frankly absurd, only because we're actually talking about doing a second stimulus check before we even figure out the first one. We have millions of people. We'll just call it close to 10% of the population. The U.S. is about 320 million people. As of a, about a month ago, when I made my first video talking about this logistical nightmare, there were about 30 to 35 million people. They weren't sure. They gave a range of 5 million people. So 30 to 35 million people still hadn't gotten their checks. It's been a month now, and let's just assume, what, 15 to 20 million people haven't gotten it? They don't know. They can't know as of now unless we start getting into some really dicey territory with constitutional privacy rights and what kind of records the government can keep on each individual person throughout the United States. And I guess, thankfully, they haven't done that, but it makes enacting a policy like this incredibly difficult, if not impossible, at least to do it efficiently. So at the same time that you have all these millions of people who haven't gotten their stimulus checked from the first CARES Act, we now have the HEALS Act, which is theoretically going to be passed sometime very soon, before all of these checks from the first bill have actually already been passed out, which is just a slap in the face to those people, saying, hey, rather than actually getting this first bill right and finishing what we promised you and finishing what we started, we're going to try and pander to everyone else and we'll do this other big act to throw more money at them because they're more important to us. That's basically what they're saying. They're saying that they don't care about the actual legality and the entitlements that they have promised to millions of Americans that they don't care about those and instead just want to get themselves reelected for this November election season. It's really, really disappointing. And that's the easy way to put it. It's offensive, really, to many others that you have these big, complicated bills. They sound really great in theory, or maybe they don't. <laughs> they sound great, at least for the short term. They're very attractive to someone who might not have a lot of financial means. So you wait, you dangle this carrot in front of them, you pass this law, you give it to most people, but not everyone, because you don't really care about everyone, even though it's in the first name, CARES Act. The CARES Act doesn't appear to actually care about everyone. Instead, they just care about most people, maybe, and they just throw, throw a check, throw a bone to the people that they can access easily and people who require any work to get to, work to get their information, they don't care. They're not going to do it. And if, even if they do care, they can't do it efficiently. And that's, that's cause enough. So I would suspect that this HEALS Act is not going to heal the problem that the CARES Act is already exposed. And that's that the government is not equipped to do this sort of program where everyone gets an individual check, where everyone gets some sort of direct deposit. The government's not ready to do that. And it's proven that through how long it has taken for millions of Americans. We're not talking about, you know, 100,000 people here, which still would be a lot, frankly. We're talking about maybe 15 million. The, the government doesn't even know, and they won't tell us because they don't know. They have no idea how many people are out there because the system is incredibly inefficient and the bureaucracy is mind-numbing. They can't find a way to actually figure out how many people are entitled to these checks, and they're going to say that, all right, you're entitled to another one now. 
So what good does that do? For someone who's actually struggling, okay, great, you're entitled to two checks now. When? Next year? What if you're struggling right now? What's the point? Why even have this program? Because the even more unfortunate reality of this is the broader economic implications of a gigantic stimulus program like this. So you have the person who the bill is is theoretically supposed to help out, which is those who are struggling through this pandemic. They don't get their check for a year, a year and a half. There are two checks that they're entitled to. The pandemic's hopefully uh, waning by then. But at the same time, now there's so much more inflation because we've had so many more dollars printed to pay for these gigantic bills that the government doesn't have money for. So now that same person who was struggling before might be struggling even more, assuming they even get their job back, because inflation's going to be higher, their cost of living's going to be higher. Meanwhile, the people with assets will be gaining nominally in nominal terms because of inflation whereas those without assets like these people that are struggling who probably haven't gotten their stimulus checks yet they are going to be facing inflation as a sort of tax to pay for this gigantic frankly reckless program that the government doesn't even care about actually getting right and all they care about is pandering to votes rather than actually rolling out a well-designed and efficient program Meanwhile, the debt keeps ballooning, the Fed keeps monetizing that debt, and all we're going to face down the line is greater inflation and not necessarily any greater prosperity, because this is going to serve as a roadblock, essentially, years down the line. We're borrowing against our future productivity to throw throw this gigantic program that's not well designed again into, in, into the system. So we are pulling from our future productivity, which might not even be any more than it is now if this hinders us too much via things like inflation. If we if we get into something like hyperinflation, the damage would just be tremendous. We'd have so many people lose their life savings, or at least the value of their life savings would be destroyed. Purchasing power would be destroyed. Wages would be destroyed. It, it would be terrible. If we ran into that sort of situation because of all of this reckless borrowing and spending that the government is doing to pay for these programs that look good for the immediate to short term, but actually don't do anything for the long term because it's just an effort to get reelected in a few months. It's really shameful that the government has gone this route, and I think it's dangerous that people think that they're going to get something better out of this. They keep supporting these gigantic acts without looking at the long-term implications of these acts. Yes, maybe you get some cash in the short term, but if everyone is getting a check and the government has no money to actually issue these checks with, then you have problems with inflation. You have problems with a lack of growth because all you're seeing is not actual real growth, but inflation. As purchasing power is decreased and people struggle to get by in the same way that they did before, food costs go up over a couple of years, even though your wages stay similar, stay the same, or even decrease depending on business activity. All of these are terrible things that something like the CARES or the HEALS Act do not solve and instead exacerbate because they dig these deficits even deeper. They dig the debt even further down and there's no solution on the horizon to actually fix these problems. Instead, the problems keep accelerating and it's very dangerous and I really hope that people just at least take care. I mean, it's in the name, the CARES Act. Just take care in figuring out what the actual longer-term impacts of this, even the medium-term impacts. The short-term impacts might look fine, but the long-term impacts are humongous for these gigantic, many-trillion-dollar programs that might not even be 
being issued effectively and definitely aren't in the case of these stimulus checks with millions of Americans left hung up to dry. Anyways, I don't want to rant too much longer about this. I just wanted to bring this to people's attention who might not have realized it in their support for the HEALS Act or any of these stimulus programs. Just look at how the government has botched this first stimulus program via the CARES Act and how they haven't learned anything so far and are still slowly struggling through trying to figure out who gets these stimulus checks or maybe they're not even trying to figure it out i don't know but just look at how inefficient this whole thing has been before you get excited to support an even larger bill or or a bill that's basically a copy of the last one just on a slightly smaller scale uh, not quite the how, double the two to three trillion or whatever it was for the cares act this one is purported to be one trillion though who knows what will happen once it gets through the house and more things are added to it and you get all this pork barreling where every single congressman needs to have a line in this bill and then it becomes many hundreds of pages and then you get a mess again that can't be enforced efficiently. If you support the HEALS Act, that's totally fine. But just please understand what the government has already gotten wrong with the first act and at least look for ways to try and make that better if you're going to support it, if you want to contact your local congressman just to figure out a different way to do things more efficiently. Maybe pitch an idea. You never know if a congressperson's going to listen. I know they have lobbyists in their ear all the time, and they're trying to pander to as many people as possible. Hey, maybe you can be one of the people that they pander to if you contact your local congressman or government official who might have uh, some sort of influence over this whole process. Or don't call them and just start a podcast and complain about it. Anyways, that's all I've got for today. If you liked this podcast, definitely leave a like on YouTube, leave a review on iTunes. The more five-star reviews we can get, the better the more people will actually end up seeing this content or I should say listen to this content and hopefully the more different perspectives that people can be exposed to you don't have to agree with my perspective but at least I hope you listen to it and consider it and then change your own perspective to address whatever I brought up or don't change it if you don't think it's effective I like pretty much everyone else will keep an eye on what happens with this act and will hopefully not have quite as many logistical failures as the first one, but as you can tell, I am quite pessimistic. But anyways, until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to The Jack Duffley Show. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss any new episodes. For more content on personal finance, real estate, and other topics, check out jackduffley.com.